0: Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And today is a very special day because we don't have one guest. We have two guests. Today we are joined by the one and only Diane of Shaped by Stories. Diane. Because, Ashley, what author is joining us? I am going to try to get this out without screaming.
1: But today... We have the pleasure of interviewing Sherry Thomas, the author
0: of the Lady Sherlock series. If you remember around this time last year when we were doing our historical fiction, historical romance series... Ashley was absolutely obsessed with the Lady Sherlock series that Diane introduced her to because we had Diane on the podcast. So we are so excited to have Sherry on because her books are so special and this is the sixth book in the Lady Sherlock series Miss Moriarty I presume which published yesterday November 2nd and we can't really give you a synopsis because that would spoil most of the series. It's definitely historical mystery
1: so we'll make that clear it, it has a romance subplot to it which like we get into a little bit in this interview. We talk a little bit about the romance, a little bit. We talk a lot about the romance, but it really is a historical mystery series. I personally think that if you love like the Three Pines series by Louise Penny or Cozy Mysteries, I I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a cozy mystery, especially the first book. It does have some hard topics. So please check out. Um, content warnings on that book but it is just that like quintessential mystery with like a really awesome cast of characters that follow throughout all these books and to get to talk to Sherry and hear a little bit about what goes on in her amazing head when she comes up with these ideas for these characters and for the mysteries and everything it was such a treat. And to have Diane there was absolutely amazing because I credit Diane with so much in my life, but especially getting me to read these books. Um, so if you like Sherlock Holmes retellings, this is my number one recommendation for sure out of all of them it is phenomenal.
0: It was so fun and a huge thank you to Diane for your time. You are such a wonderful friend and an integral part of our reading life. So we hope you enjoy this interview. All right, this is a very exciting day for Reader Listed. We are so excited to welcome author Sherry Thomas to the show. If you remember, around this time last year uh, we had our very good friend Diane on the podcast to discuss some historical romances. And one that kind of took over was the Lady Sherlock series by Sherry Thomas. And now we are full circle and we have Sherry on the show. So thank you so much for joining us, Sherry. Oh, thank you so much for
2: having me. And thank you, Diane, very much for
0: the hard <laughs> lifting. <laughs> Diane does all the hard lifting for us. We're like, uh, "What should we?" Because I was not really into historical romances or historical mysteries at all, and Diane was like, "I'm gonna give you a list because I know your reading taste." And uh, we're so grateful that she did. So, also welcome, Diane. Thanks for being with us.
3: Thank you for letting me hear truly one of the best days ever.
0: (laughs) And the purpose of why the, why we're so lucky to have Sherry on today is that the sixth book in the lady Sherlock series, Miss Moriarty, I presume, uh, is releasing on November 2nd. I have my copy right here. Listeners can't see it, but I have mine. Um, (laughs) so we are so unbelievably excited to talk about it with you. Um, and would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Um, yes, um, my name is Sherry Thomas, and uh, I write, um, uh, in my bio somewhere, it says, uh, it's my goal in life to write every kind of book I enjoy reading, and uh, I think I've written just about um, everything, uh, if you count the little uh, science fiction uh, romance novella that I've written, so, you know, in that sense, I have written books uh, that are mystery, fantasy, romance, sci-fi, Um uh, and wuxia, which is a, martial, a Chinese martial arts epics, uh, and that's uh, that's just about everything I enjoy reading. So uh, also, um, I guess uh, very recent, not very recently, starting a few years ago, I started reading Chinese web novels uh, as uh, because they offer greater escape for some reason than books written in the English language, like my Chinese was barely good enough to tell uh, whether the prose was any good. Um, So it was really like all my critical functions were turned off. Um, Mm. But by now my Chinese has improved enough that I am actually like in my spare time writing a Chinese web novel. (laughs) Awesome. That's so (laughs) So cool. There there is, that's, that would be fun fact number one if we were doing fun (laughs) facts and um, say fun fact number two to bring back to the topic at hand is um, Miss Moriarty, I presume, is my first book title with punctuation marks. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which kind of throws me off all the time myself, That I was like, what, there's a question mark at the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, what a fun thing. Those are things I would never think about looking at in a title, but like, oh, wait, yeah, there is. Um, Well, as it is, the sixth book in the series, and I love that idea that you... You write, you want to write every book that you enjoy reading because I think that's what drives so many readers to become writers is that you want to write the books that you want to read. Um, so how has your process changed at all from like, I guess, specifically with the Lady Sherlock series from book one to now, um, or is it like slipping back into like a very familiar world and it's the same throughout? Um,
2: I don't think the writing process of the Lady Sherlock books has changed very much in the sense that I wasn't a completely new writer when I started writing those books. In fact, I already had like, I'm not sure, 10, 12 books uh, under my belt when I uh, made the switch to historical um, to historical mysteries. Um, I did have a super sharp uh, learning curve, super steep learning curve at the beginning of my career, largely because my uh, my first, my, the first book that, was acquired for publication which also happened to be a rewritten version of my actual first novel that i've Mm -hmm. ever written um i fixed that book by accident like uh i really didn't know what i was doing but i did a really good job at it i not not and and by the time i was done with that book i was like oh my god i've learned everything there is to know about writing (laughs) romance when in fact i Mm -hmm. merely learned how to fix that one book and um i and, and my subsequent books would have like, my next three books would have, each have enormous structural problems during the writing of them. And I didn't really understand. My editor kind of guided me through it. And somehow I also stumbled on some good solutions. So uh, so those were like extremely painful books to write, uh, which require often like throwing away an entire draft and, uh, and start from scratch uh, and, uh, I felt like for my second uh, second book, I wrote more words in that manuscript, twice as many words than was published, like thrown away twice as many words as eventually was published. Um, but by the time uh, we got to Lady Sherlock books, I had gotten a much better grip on um, story structure, like in, in a sense of, okay, uh, I may not know what needs to happen, but I need to know some, I do know that something needs to happen and I sort of have an idea where it needs to happen. So it's, um, so then it's all these books have been kind of slightly reverse engineered in the sense that I start the book same as everyone else. Um, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I I, like, I'm just like a reader of this mystery. I just like, mm. okay, here's a dead body. Um, now, what can we find out about it? Um, so it's usually only about 25% in that I will have decided um, not only who did it, but sometimes who actually dies. Like with Lady Sherlock book seven, I just, when I hit like 25%, or at least I hope it will be 25% and I'm gonna have to go back and take out some words because 25% is too far. Um, You know, I've written 25,000 words and I finally decided who was gonna die. (laughs) And then once you decide on that, um, then you decide, okay, why did this person you know, have to die? And then as I, over the weekend I was writing, I was like, oh shoot. I haven't decided how this person died. No wonder I can't proceed <laughs> any further. I haven't decided how they would die. So then stop, Google, how loud is an actual gunshot? <laughs> <laughs> like, can I actually just shoot this person? Like, no, looks like not have to do something else because it's too loud. Um, uh, so so yeah, so that's kind of like my process. But, I, but now, even though I have just decided who this person, um, how you know who died and how they died, I am already looking ahead to see, okay, so where what am I gonna do at a 50% point so that this the story becomes a different story than what readers were originally thinking was gonna be at 25%. Um, so that's that's how um, that's how sort of it works now. And it hasn't been too different for these these six
1: stories. And do you think at this point with characters that are, you know, you've been with them for so long, like Charlotte is so, she's probably one of my favorite heroines of any series I've ever read because I just, I just, I love her. And I think that Diane and I have gushed about so many things about Charlotte's personality that are just so relatable and lovely and refreshing to see um, and she's so witty. Do you think at this point, and there, and so many of these characters are just multifaceted and phenomenally well-developed. Did they each on their own kind of navigate you through the story? The interaction between characters, the chemistry between
2: characters, the, um, their personalities and the different layers to them, they are what's like help you write individual scenes But um, for the overarching story, you still need kind of like a a plot that is like related to the characters, but, you know, driven by something other than just the, just like the characters and their relationships. Um, So yeah, so, um, so yes, they, it's, it's really helpful to write scenes nowadays. And, and I think one of the more interesting things about writing the series, writing so many characters over so many books, is like how they develop and what new depth you find out about them. I actually don't say much about these characters besides what's needed immediately for the book on hand for the, for the storytelling. So like, for example, we still have like large chunks of uh, everybody's life we haven't explored yet. So that's just like, so that in the future, if I you know look at them and go, like, oh, actually, you know what? They did this thing in the past or they actually there's this thing about them we haven't talked about, you cannot say, that i am retconning because you know i haven't said that they weren't <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: i mean that's one of my favorite things about the series it's just all those little things being revealed like there's a moment no spoilers but there's a moment in book 5 where charlotte and ingram are having a conversation and he just kind of like sweetly kind of basically explains something about their first interaction one, one of their first interactions when they were children and you know it's book 5 and we're just learning this and every single time I read it, I just scream. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it makes me so happy. I just love it. <laughs> I love everything about it. Just, just like that's getting right, that little that's moment. That's right. It
2: was It was, It was. was something she thought she was forcing him to do, right? Yeah. Uh, yep, but instead yep. uh, he was like, yeah, you know, he didn't mind. <laughs>
3: yeah. I love it. I just, I love everything about that moment. Um, and, and kind of going along with that, obviously like the Lady Sherlock series is historical mystery, but you know, as you've said, you've also written historical romance and I think there's like threads of romance in most of your books and your banter and just like the sexual tension between (laughs) your love interests and all of your books, regardless of genre. It's all, it's just so good. It's so, so good. So I'm just curious, like how you approach creating a romantic pairing and like a love interest that we as the reader also fall in love with. Because I have to say, more than any other writer, really. You know how to write a man that pines that is just pining for the
2: main <laughs> character. Um I mean, in a way, in a way, one should um like people should write what they like. That's what I like to read. Mm-hmm. I think I like to read about, you know, it's uh I used to joke that, you know, the realization when I was writing romance, the real the realization like I I always have like halfway, three quarters of the way through like the first or second draft, it's like, oh, actually he's been in love with her all along. And then I go ding. So that's that's kind of like my favorite thing to uh, find out about, you know, about this. And that's like personal catnip. So of course, if you kind of like the same thing, then you're going to like the love. Right? <laughs>
3: And I really do. And, I really, and, and really do. And what do. happens?
2: What happens if you know the the you know if the the man has been in love with you for all this while? He is pining in secret. Yeah, those, uh, It's it's a uh, it's kind of like not a bug but a feature. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a, a newbie writer, I heard this this advice that when you create um, a, a romantic couple, uh, they should be each other's like worst nightmare. But I I. I did not take that very seriously at first because the example they gave was that if, if he is a firefighter, she has to be a pyromaniac. And I was like, what the heck is that? You know? <laughs>
0: Wow, I, I can actually so, see the contemporary rom-com with that happening. <laughs> right, right. So so that that actually
2: did not make me take it very seriously until like, I think I heard my uh, critique partner rephrase it as, you know, so what are the lies your character tells herself? Mm-hmm. What What are the things that she tells herself so she can get through the day? And who is this person by his or her existence, by everything that you know they say and do, force your character to confront those lies. Mm. Force your character mm. to you know to 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 have to face uh, who she really is and what's really eating her. And I think this is the reason that I love uh, reunion romances so much. And or like, uh, say for like Charlotte and. Uh, Ingram, they're not a reunion story, but they've known each other for so long. There's already a history. The, the reason I love that is because if a relationship has failed in the past and you automatically have something like that, um, that you're lying to yourself about. And the lie is always, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm over it, you know? Right. And, um, right. So so then as soon as that person comes into the scene, then you are lying and maybe they're lying to themselves about this. And you know, you're like, everybody just go like, Arr! yeah but,, uh, but so, yes, that's 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 in a way like how that's one of the best ways to build a re- romantic relationship that that will work well for the readers, or at least if your readers like the same thing that you like. I <laughs> always have to like say that. Um, there there's there are people for whom any given author's book will not work just because they just don't like the same thing. Um, yeah. for example, for for a relationship like Charlotte and late Lord Ingrams. Um, you also try to build in several different layers of conflict, like when you open book one, it's like, oh my God, oh no, he's married. You know, then that's a big conflict, right? And that seems at first an insurmountable conflict, but all insurmountable conflicts are tend to be like those things that boom, if you actually make a dramatic decision, it's gone. He's married, well, what if he's not anymore? Then where's the conflict? So you have the building additional layers of conflict so that um, between Lord Ingram and Charlotte, their conflict is that he's actually kind of afraid of what she stands for because she is like, you know, an agent of chaos. And he loves, you know, you know, just like uh, what's a Canadian um, national model, peace order and good government. And <laughs> sorry, sorry, Canadian. We're three We're Americans government. over here. <laughs> yeah. We are sorry, Canadians if I got it wrong, but it's it's like he likes things to be orderly. He 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 was like at the beginning of the series, he's still kind of like wanting to make the hierarchy work for himself. He's still like he's he like with a lot of difficulty he secured himself a place on the hierarchy. He didn't want to give it up. He doesn't want like somebody with Charlotte's like uh very uh anti-establishment um vibes to like mess everything up for him. That's why, you know, even as a younger man, he never got closer to her than friends just because he knows he couldn't handle that. So it's like only after he goes through a lot of personal traumas and see that even if he, you know, wants to hang on with this establishment life with, you know, with like, uh, with everything he's the God, sometimes he can't because things happen and he, things change and he changes and he realized that, you know, charlotte and her uh and her hippie ways i may not be so bad after all
1: <laughs> another way to phrase it charlotte is the pyromaniac and lord ingram is the firefighter
2: exactly exactly <laughs> she's the one who's willing to burn everything down and he's like oh no no but sometimes things do need to be burned down yeah 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 charlotte, or at least she's the demolition girl you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And you see that so much in his character. Like you can see the restraint that he has, and the way that he holds back sometimes. And then there, it's oh. almost like there's this switch in him where he just says, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore." Like I am, I am going all in, and I am going to take what I can get. Actually, I think he exploit. I mean, I will keep it spoiler free, but like, there's, there's a scene at the beginning, is it book, at the beginning of book five, Diane, where I dramatically read it out loud to you. And I could, uh, yes. (laughs) And I could not, I could not breathe for a few minutes because I just was like, this is it. This is the moment when he just says, screw it. (laughs) I will take you as you come exactly as you come and I'll take whatever I can get. Um, and it was beautiful. And so what I really need to know really in my heart of hearts (laughs) is if this ever gets adapted into a TV show, or even if not, who do you picture? Is there any celebrity, anybody out there that you picture as? You you have actually asked the wrong person because I
2: (laughs) do not cast. I do not cast, which is why when people cast for me, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, good. (laughs) You know, because like, they all seem like good actors and they all seem kind of handsome and you know like <laughs> <laughs> okay like, I will I will like, like it, it's like uh I think at at the moment uh my favorite casting for Charlotte at the moment is oh gosh she's one of the girls uh in the new uh in the new little woman I was like I remember the name in French oh. Why can't I can't remember the name Oh, Florence English? Pugh yeah Florence Pugh I adore um, her yeah I could right, see that um, yeah I could see, definitely see Florence so, so Pugh when when somebody recommended Florence Pugh I was like yeah definitely could work uh and then um just just as I guess uh, a generation ago if it had been um Kate Winslet it would have worked mm-hmm. um and uh and so as for Lord Ingram I have even fewer idea but it's like people people mention these actors and I'm like yeah, you, you would do. Yeah, you would do too. Like somebody mentioned Theo James. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, we love could Theo James. We and, love and somebody Theo mentioned James. um somebody <laughs> mentioned uh, um Aaron Johnson Taylor. Uh oh, I because I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, that that could work too. Um because, you know, I, I don't even think when we get an adaptation we'll actually get an established um actor. I think we'll just No, you don't want them. you wanna come from like Game of Thrones
0: yeah. was. You want them yeah, to exactly, come up yeah. with it.
2: Or or <laughs> Like uh, uh, what's his name? Jean Rene Page, mm-hmm. Rene Jean Page, oh. uh, who came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, the Duke. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you want you want a new person, and like, go whoa! You know, where have you been all, all along?
1: Yeah. I
3: mean, um, I yeah. would like to see Lord Ingram like a spoon. Is all I'm saying.
1: So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> has, he, has he ever licked a spoon? My goodness. Oh I wait, think, does I, it we do, could put does that. Do,
3: just yeah, the Duke Brutal does. Spoon? Yeah, in in oh. Bridgerton. Yeah,
2: see, I, I was on deadline last winter when it came out, so I still haven't seen oh, it. Oh yeah, yet, so he, uh, I, I am going to.
3: He talk definitely about. licks a spoon. <laughs>
1: yeah, mm. Mm. I I can now imagine just I can imagine this with Lord Ingram and Charlotte like they're having tea. Charlotte is eating a pastry of sort of of, of some sort, one of her favorites, and he's just like stirring his tea and he just
3: I mean that's <laughs> one of the things that's so fun one of the things I love like in book five when he does kind of start to you know he's loosening up and there are all those scenes where we've heard him time and time again be just like oh I'm, I'm not into sweets I'm not into sweets and he just like reaches for cake and he's just and Charlotte's like what are you doing it's like, oh, pretty good and you can just I'm picture gonna... him just like eating this cake in front of her and you can I mean I just all her dreams come true it's just yeah, again it, but the then, sexual like... tension my god <laughs>
1: The, uh, but like Charlotte uh, is like is like what are you doing?
3: I mean, they had the whole conversation where he's like, "Yeah, you're yeah. in because I'm not acting how I usually act, and it's freaking you out." <laughs> and yes,
2: like, yes, and 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 I don't know if any of you have read uh, book six yet because mm-hmm. it takes, um, it escalates, and book six begins with the, I mean, the letter itself never sees the light of day, but it is mentioned that she has written a erotic story for well, him um sherry his... i
1: almost passed out reading that letter <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: and, and i mean really i know this is historical mystery and it's like all closed door and stuff but what ashley and i really talk about a lot is like what do we have to do to like get you like a patreon or something like for your fans <laughs> like if we can just get like some kind of novella some kind of behind the scenes like it's, like a it's... little like a little christmas gift you know ingram it's, it's actually, charlotte
2: um, it's... The the way I write is I these days I write kind of skeletal you know and have filling as each draft goes. There's actually nothing left over. Like uh, there's there's nothing left over worth reading at least um, unless it's like some things that got discarded early on. Everything that works remotely is in the book, and I have to like expand on them to in later drafts so that you know my critique partner shouted me for like uh, you know where's the emotions, where's like the descriptions (laughs) and everything. There's actually like my, I think my entire writing career. There might have been only one, perhaps, properly written scene that got cut uh, because I thought it was redundant. Like there's just no, there's no cut scenes. I'm, I'm like desperately adding things into the book as we near the near the near the end of the process. Yeah, we just
3: need some of that fanfic. Is all we just need some like Lord Ingram, Charlotte, you know.
1: I, I tell
0: you, I Diane gestures wildly <laughs> from <I'm trying>, listeners.
1: <laughs> I'm like, this is my hand I, I trying would, to I say. Would,
2: I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I actually love writing love scenes when the love scenes are actually like pivotal scenes in the book. Right. Because if you if you write a romance and, and you have a love scene that's not a pivotal scene in the romance, I know the saying goes, you know, only like, Sex is the only thing. Uh, sex is the only thing that's intrinsically interesting. Everything else you have to make interesting. Not true. You still even have to make sex interesting because if you just put it there, it is still not interesting. So, so I used to love writing a um, sex scene that's like a pivotal turning point, like uh, you know, like this little gut-wrenching little thing that just happened to have sex in it. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> like. Uh, I I made this violent gesture on my end to yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With Charlotte and Lord Ingram, all the pivotal stuff is actually already on the page. Yeah, so so it's it's, there's there's no um, there's nothing pivotal that happens in the middle of their lovemaking. So therefore, that's why I'm not uh, writing those. So, um, but but I I am beginning to understand what you mean because um, because early in my career, uh, actually it was my first book. But my 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 agent was like, uh, write a write a sex scene right at the end. I was like, they already reconciled. What's there to write about? <laughs> um, and and she's like readers will like it I said readers can imagine and she's like oh you don't know a lot of people don't have that imagination and I was like why wouldn't they but I think it's, <laughs> I actually, think it's-, I think it's actually true that you
0: <laughs> the well, reason yeah. we have
2: a job we can we can uh, imagine unimaginable.
0: <laughs> well I think the, the tension that you bring to your characters is just like so good that I think people just like crave that release for lack of a better term <laughs>
3: Yeah. I think it's like, it's one of those things where the way it is in the book is just like perfectly crafted. And as it is, it's more like Ashley and I will oftentimes, we really just need to see what Lord Ingram is like.
1: It was also in book three where I think Diane and I had a lot of conversations. Oh yeah.
3: Well, I, I, I told Ashley that something big was coming, but I didn't tell her exactly what, and she almost got into a car
2: accident. Whoops.
3: Yeah,
1: actually (laughs) I was driving my car, I was listening to the audiobook book and uh, a pivotal scene happens in book three that I won't say, but everybody who's read the series knows um, what I'm talking about. And I about screamed. I oh, know I did scream. I did scream and it was late at night and I pulled over onto the side of the road because I was like, I can, I'm impaired. I cannot drive a vehicle <laughs> right now i need to get my emotions under control and i think i called diane or sent her an angry voice message and i was like oh my gosh is this happening you
0: almost got a dwr driving while, reading. <laughs> driving while reading.
2: my uh book book three is books i mean you know i am a romance writer i mean after a while it won't be First and foremost, I will have written more mysteries than romance after a while. But I am a romance writer first, so um, book three is a favorite, personal favorite, for mm-hmm. that reason. And um, and I think book six also. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not as clear on why book six <clears throat> is a personal favorite. I think maybe just because it was less difficult to write than four and five, and I was grateful. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 because Charlotte writes smut, you know, like how can you right. write? like yeah.
3: Well, it's fun to kind of see as the, as the series progresses, they're kind of like a team now. So it must like, they're like this little gang of friends and family that are kind of solving mysteries and stuff together. So I think, you know, we started right. out that first book where Charlotte's a little bit more isolated. And then obviously she has her Mrs. Watson, but by like, you know, even like book five and certainly book six, it's like, you know, Lord Ingram's really there quite a bit. Like, I don't know. There's like a fun team dynamic that
2: Right, right. Yeah. It's, so it's it's like you have to like figure out, you know, how they can be together at the, every book. And oh, okay. Oh no, she cannot be here. Oh no, he cannot be. But you know, <laughs> everybody else, uh, let's get again together. Um, yeah, it's 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 what I wanted to, from the very beginning for there to be um, a community, a sense of community. Because I am a fan of uh, Louise Penny's uh, Inspector um, Gamache books, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think a lot of times uh, it's. I read those books more to return to that community right. than necessarily to see what new case they're solving. Um, so, so when I wrote my, uh, when I decided to conceive the series, I was like, I wanted that for these books. I wanted, uh, I wanted readers to to want to come and see the recurring characters, um, the recurring cast of characters, to see what's going on in their lives and how have they proceeded along their development and or slash romance slash you know
1: whatnot one of the things I really love about the Lady Sherlock series is how there are so many points of view. You re- you get to see all these characters, even from book one. At first, you're like, you know, how do these, how do all these people fit into each other? How do they all know each other? And then as you keep going, it becomes so obvious that everyone is so important to this story. And Diane and I were talking about Um, Treadle's entire arc um, and how how flawlessly that was done and how much that spoke to I just
3: really appreciate the way that you it's even with your secondary characters spend so much time with them and they really get to grow and change like they get arcs and I think you don't often see that in in like a series where everyone is allowed to kind of go through this process you know oftentimes characters those secondary characters are just kind of who they are and i mean even with lady ingram you know the the way that you kind of reveal her character like no she's not somebody we're supposed to like but i think you do such a beautiful job of kind of really explaining her side of the story and where she might have been coming from and especially within the context of her options very limited options at the time and then like ashley was saying with inspector tradles he just, he gets this full arc, you know, it's really emotional. Like at first I really like him and then you're kind of like, ooh, mm. And then he circles back around. And I was like, oh, Inspector Treadles, good for you. <laughs> and it's just, it's really lovely. So is that like a conscious choice for you as a writer? Like something that is important to you or does that just kind of happen while you're writing?
2: It's um, interesting that you should mention because um, with Treadles, it kind of like, um, his, his, his arc actually happened kind of crystallized for me in a single moment in in the in the sense that I think until that moment I had he was just like supposed to be the guy who investigated on Charlotte's behalf when she couldn't investigate, right? He was a good friend of Lord Ingram's and you know a big fan of Sherlock Holmes um without not quite knowing who Charlotte Holmes is. And it was um it was when uh, late in book one and uh, when he first realizes, you know, when he first investigates for himself that actually there's no Sherlock Holmes, no physical Sherlock Holmes, no man is sleeping on that bed in that bedroom. Um, and I think he goes home and speaks to his wife and uh, and he says, I wonder whether a extraordinary woman will ever be treated the same as the extraordinary man or something, he may have said something like that. And, and his wife says at that moment, you know, Um, the extraordinary will always be treated differently because they're extraordinary. She said, what I wonder is whether a not so extraordinary woman will ever be treated the same as a not so extraordinary man. It was as I was writing that, that I think suddenly uh, Treadles' insecurities came out in a way that I personally hadn't seen it before. Mm. And um, kind of like, because before that we, like I think the readers and me both thought like, oh my God, what this lovely couple and all this and all that. And right. suddenly, you know, it's, 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 mm-hmm. nothing is quite the same, right? Uh, nothing is every nothing is ever quite the same as what it seems on the surface. So we, suddenly his insecurities came out, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, where's this going? <laughs> and obviously it's not going to be solved immediately. And uh, so throughout, I think book two he's not a very sympathetic, uh, character. Uh, even in book three, my um my critique partner basically had to beat me with a big stick to say, oh, you need to do something about his character because I still hate him. And I was <laughs> like, really? I thought I'm doing him pretty good uh, here. But okay, sure. You know, if you say so, then I'll work on his character a little more. Um, yeah, so so it does it this is this is an interesting thing about writing. Uh like it is it does get organic I mean, I am a semi penser anyway, so um, so I guess a lot of what I write will be organic because by nature, I don't plan <laughs> that well. Um, but it, it's, I feel like even if you plan, you couldn't plan for things like this, like these insights that just suddenly come when, you know, because even you plan, you cannot plan exactly down to what characters are gonna say to each other in the middle of like a scene, like, you know, really far, um, really near the end of the book so. Uh, so yeah, it just came out from that one little exchange and
1: uh, and his his character kind of just cracked open that way. A quote like that, you know, that, that exchange between Treadles and his wife is is just one example of one of my favorite things about this series is that there are so, there's such a great commentary on so many things that we talk about today in society and they're put in this historical context where it still seems it doesn't seem out of place or doesn't seem like the characters are ahead of their times it's just an acknowledgement that these issues have been around since the very beginning and that these conversations were being had and need to be continued to have and that's one of my favorite things because I have read I think I, I can't say I've read every retail like retelling or anything that's inspired by sherlock holmes i don't think i can say that but i've read a good amount and charlotte here feels the most feminist to me in a way that it just feels like she just sticks it to the man and like it just (laughs) is just so refreshing Very gently over cake yes yes Yes. (laughs) yeah yes she has to, she has to watch her chins also. we can never forget that. It's one of my favorite details. But yeah, I, I just I I just kudos to you. This is not a question. It's just kudos to you for how beautifully you accomplish that in those in these books.
2: Um, thank you. In, in a way, in a way, I feel like mystery is a very um very fluid genre. In a way, like basically you throw that body in there and you can do anything else you want with it. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, when I first wanted to do um like a female take a Sherlock Holmes, I actually turned to my uh, young adult publisher first. I said, hey, would you like a girl Sherlock? And uh, you know, this was a study in Charlotte that will come out at the same time as the study in Scarlet, but my um, young adult publisher said, no, mysteries don't sell well in YA. So I was like, okay, then I turned around to my adult publisher and say, hey, um, do you want a, a gender bent Sherlock Holmes set in the exact same time period I've been writing? So had I been writing girl Sherlock, I may not have dived so deeply into many of these these issues, but the thing about um, gender bending Sherlock Holmes is then you have got to ask the question, you know, what if someone with the temperament and the abilities of a Sherlock Holmes had actually been born a woman? What exactly would have been the kind of upbringing she had? You know, what kind of what kind of life would she have had? What what would she have done with her abilities? Um, so all of this just came out of that that like like very organic inquiry and in, in another sense um the lady Sherlock books actually aren't about the victorian's at all they are about what we are experiencing today yeah. because you know nobody i i am not writing for a for the victorian's i am writing right? i am i am a woman living in the 21st century surrounded by issues of the 21st century writing for a 21st century audience so everything that you know, I see and think and feel, and you know, everything that whirls around in my head will eventually make its way into these books. And I think, like, book five, book five is about the workplace. It's about the the tremendous difficulty uh, Mrs. Treadles had mm-hmm. when she's trying to take over, like, you know, as the as the new owner of the company when she's trying to take charge of the actual running of the. Um, of her late father's company that she inherited, uh, and uh, and in a way it was also because you know that came about because even though I have almost worked exclusively from home, I have friends, I have eyes, I have you know I have ears. I know what's going on outside, and part of me wanted to explore that dynamic of um, of women in the workplace, of what they could or could not do, how much resistance, how much obstacle is there to their advance. And also uh, part of it, I think has to do with um, you know, all this um even this whole pressure that treadles feels. I wonder if it's something has to do with um one time, um, because I came out of romance, um I the writers' group that I belonged to for the longest time was Romance Writers of America. And we had a lovely local chapter and uh before 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 the national chapter imploded, we had a yeah. lovely local chapter. And um, and one time one of the founders of RWA came and spoke to us. And she was like, you know, probably in her 80s, but she still really sharp. And the one thing I think she really wanted us to take away was how in the late 70s, in the early 80s, as romance as a genre was coming to be, and this was a predominantly um, female, uh, you know, uh, genre of female writers, when suddenly all these women who used to be like, um, often they were just housewives, suddenly started having successes in the marketplace and they were making good money, they were making a lot of money. And so what she wanted us to, she she really wanted us to know that she all the time was fielding calls from these romance writers who were like afraid for their lives because their income had upset the entire domestic, you know, equilibrium. That their marriages were falling apart, that they were, you know, their husbands were turning violent, and just simply because they could not deal with the fact of having a woman, uh, having a wife who not only earned but probably out earned them. And uh, I hope we're having less of a problem these days, but I really don't know because because masculinity really is very fragile, and mm-hmm. and it's not always an individual man's fault. It's because there's such a narrow definition. Of masculinity in society still, and it's it's very rare that a woman will go up to say another say, "Oh, you're not a woman." But yeah. I think mm-hmm. the pressure is on among men all the time to prove that they are men. Right. Like I don't think anybody has ever asked me to prove that I'm a woman, yeah, massively or overtly. But this pressure is always on for men, so that it's you know it's these kind of narrow definition, these kind of like like to- toxic norms is
1: bad for everybody. Yeah. That's why yeah.
3: feminism helps everyone.
1: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that really did. It did really resonate with me to see Mrs. Treadle's struggle with her spot in the company. I've been a woman in a board, in a meeting, in a room full of all men. Um, I'm a lawyer and that happens sometimes. <laughs> and uh, it it is timeless. You're right to, to confront these issues. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I didn't, until you made that connection right there, I didn't truly really appreciate how these books, those set in the Victorian era. And though I acknowledged as I was reading them entirely, that they're, I'm like, wow, that is such a smart comment. That's something I want to write down. And I want to regurgitate back when the time comes. Um, and I thought how genius it was to be in a different time, but you're right. These are timeless issues. And this is this is written for today's um, world in today's reader. After our um, monthly RWA meetings, we used to, a bunch of writers Us would go out again for like,
2: you know, drinks or um, dinner. Um, and I remember one time, a good friend uh, who writes contemporary uh, said, oh, I can never write books set in historical times. And uh, because, it, you know, the, the, the life was so restrictive and uh, like, I don't know how these women lived. And I didn't think much of that time, but later I would think, I was like, has things changed that much? I mean, right. really, it's a lot better. It's mm-hmm. a lot better, but it's a change in degrees, not a change of you know. It's it's not. It has not fundamentally changed. Yeah. Uh, I I am hoping because sometimes things backslide. Right. Uh, because I am hoping people a century from now will say the same thing about us. Like, oh, how can you say things in twenty, you know, in the early early twenty first century? It was like such a misogynist time. You know. <laughs> I hope that's what people say about us from yeah. a point when mm-hmm. things are a lot better but really um you know it
0: the root of the problem is still there the root, the root is, of the still, problem is still yeah.
2: still still there and if we just look around a little bit in the past few years when 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 a lot of like masks were ripped off when a lot of like that polite layer of politeness were ripped off we see that you know shockingly everything we thought had you know uh, like receded into like the cracks of history. had just like never gone away. They were just there all along uh, yeah. under our eyes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think misogyny is actually you know the same thing. Yeah, we we should we should rejoice in how much we have come along since yeah. you know Charlotte's time. Um, yeah, you know that at least for example, I don't have to write under a man's pseudonym anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> okay,
3: Well, one of the things so great, too, is the way that you show all those different perspectives. Like, you see a character like Charlotte, who's a very distinct personality, and how she handles it. You see Livia, and how she is struggling with it, and having a very different kind of experience. Mrs. Watson, right? And how she's moving throughout the world. And I love like with Mrs. Tradles and her situation, one of the things I really appreciate about her character is how you show this woman who up until this point, all we've known about her is that she's very competent, she knows what she's doing, she's very capable, she's very smart, and she's still really struggling with this experience and just the emotions of being worn down, you know, by all the stuff that's happening at work, um, is I think Oftentimes when that is sort of portrayed, it's like, oh, you know, the woman's kind of a wallflower. She's not standing up for herself. Like, oh, that's the kind we would expect that from her character, you know, which is not true at all. Like anybody can be impacted by that kind of situation, like you were saying. So it's, it's nice to see a character like Mrs. Tradles, which I think a character that a lot of women can relate to seeing like her also kind of confront that in the workplace and struggle with that and how that's impacting her at home and all of that. So yeah, Again. and it's timeless.
2: And and she, and and she actually represents like the the segment of the female population with the most power. Right, which is what Mrs. Mrs. Watson had to remind her. Yeah, you already have power. Everyone you needs a Mrs. Watson. You have legal power at least. <laughs> you know, you're not among the truly helpless. So mm-hmm. you know, you go in there and you take your own power back. Yep. But, yeah, yeah.
3: Everyone needs a Mrs. Watson in their life. Everyone needs really a Mrs. Watson. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: before we wrap up i know you mentioned that you're already writing book seven in the lady sherlock mm-hmm. series so um is there anything you can tell us about it or anything else that you're working on uh right now the main thing is that it's on a boat
2: uh, oh I, I i i i am kind of regretting that it's on a boat like, <laughs> on a cruise like, like I, everyone's I, trapped on a boat <laughs> like, like, like a passenger like a passenger ship so it's yeah. like uh like, how the heck does one invest the case on a boat? Uh, like, uh, you know, where do you get your blood test done? Where do you get all this and that? Which, like, you know, Victorians were good chemists. You get there, you have all this analysis available. Like, where do you get mm-hmm. this and that done? But I I guess I would just have to figure out as I go. And and being the kind of like, uh, you know, not very good planner, I still haven't drawn up a map or, of where every room is, which I need to do that pronto so I can say, OK, who saw who passed in front of where? Um, <laughs> like at what time in the night uh, when, when all this happened. Uh, yeah. So, so yes, that's, it's, it's on the boat. And uh, I think <laughs> I mentioned in the beginning that I just decided who dies. And how yes. They die. Yes.
0: Yes. I love that. Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh. That is, well, we can't wait for it. Thank you so much for your time, Sherry. I, obviously you can tell how exciting it was for everybody. And we're so incredibly grateful. Miss Moriarty, I presume, is available wherever you get your books November 2nd and so make sure you go ahead and get yourself a copy or since we didn't provide any spoilers if you have not read Lady Sherlock series yet it's a great fall winter cozy read so highly recommend picking it up thank you so much Sherry thank you so much I had such a great time felt like a proud parent in that interview, watching you and and Diane just light up talking to Sherry. And I loved learning about her writing process and how like, calmly chaotic it is. It was fascinating. She reminded me throughout
1: that series of how many amazing nuggets that we mm-hmm. get. And just the genius that is the way that she was able to tell these stories
0: and create these this cast of characters I love how she's written all the genre she's not limited herself and I just think that it's it's so cool I really really enjoyed this interview same and so thank you again to Sherry thank you to
1: Diane we hope you guys love this interview as much as we did and Miss Moriarty I presume is out now You
0: can stop by today's Instagram post at readitorlistitpod with your thoughts on today's interview, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at readitorlistitpod. All rights reserved, 2020.